Today we're going to be talking about worship, and in particular, corporate worship. And I want to read to you a psalm, Psalm 95, verse 1. It says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. When I was a kid, that was a a song lyric that we literally sang in the church that I grew up in. And uh, it sounds like Hannah might know that. She's sort of hymning it. Uh, Not hymning it. She's humming it. That's a, yeah, it's a cross between a hum and a hymn. It's a spiritual hum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A holy hum. A holy hum. There you go. Um, (laughs) Anyway, this, um, this passage is directly talking in the context of calling God's people, um, the Israelites, this is from the Hebrew, Hebrew Scriptures, to gather together and to celebrate what is core to them and their belief. Now, I know that most people, if you've been around church for some time, you will understand that when we use the word worship, it means so much more than singing. But a singing is a great tool and expression of that, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Worship many of us would know, is about our whole lives. It's how we live our lives. The writers in the New Testament and the writers in the Hebrew Scriptures call us to worship the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and all of our strength. And that just doesn't mean at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It means every moment of the week in all we do. When you're in the the line at um, at the checkout, the shopping center, when you're driving on the road, when you go to work, when you go to school or university, wherever you are, you see your whole life as an act of worship. In the middle of the night, at 2.30 in the morning, when your child screams out and you think the worst has happened and they want a cup of water and they're too lazy to get up and walk one and a half meters to where the cup of water is, In that context, we're to worship the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so today I'm going to confess that I don't do that always. But Hannah does, and that's why I invited her here today. I want to give you a great definition that I pulled from two different statements that one of my favorite theologians, Tom Wright, or in academic um, books, he's called N.T. Wright, Uh, But he kind of summarizes worship for us in a way that really captures the essence of it in Scripture. And he says, worship is acknowledging the worth of something or someone. Something is worthy of praise. And this is what we're going to be unfolding today. We're going to be talking about corporate worship in particular here, not just uh, the individual aspect of what happens to all of us when we go forth from this place. But what's unique about our coming together and our gathering? And I was reminded this morning of a video clip I watched many years ago of the, um, the one and only Mr. Bean. How good is Mr. Bean? And uh, yeah, you love him. And uh, I don't love him, but, um, well, I should love him. Anyway, and... But he's a very clever man. And there's this one video clip that I've never forgotten. It's the one where Mr. Bean goes to church. And it's such a funny clip. Seriously, go home this afternoon. Don't watch it in here now. I think we'll we'll turn the Wi-Fi off. Um, But it's such a classic clip in his comedy style 
of just doing everything wrong at the wrong time in the church service and trying to find his way and stands at the wrong time and yawns and falls asleep at the boring parts of the service and then suddenly wakes up and tries to join in again. And it's just this classic moment. And it reminds me of the fact that for so many people, when they think of corporate worship or church, it's this boring, dull, religious ritual that you go to do and you sort of look at your watch and you can't wait to get out. I don't think that's how it was ever meant to be. I actually think that when our hearts get so caught up and revived and renewed around the vision that God has for us and what it means to be caught up in the wonder of God and His love, the beauty of the gospel, to be reminded of what Christ has done on the cross in His resurrection life for us, that something shifts in us where we move from the mundane to I can't wait to get to the gathering of God's people. Even 15 minutes earlier. Am I allowed to even tuck that in there? Um, but there's just such a hope and an expectation that when we gather, we know that God is in this place and we gather together to worship and celebrate. So I hope that in the context of what we're sharing today, you'll understand worship as acknowledging the worth of God. And we'll see God as worthy of praise. I've asked if Hannah um, could share some, because Hannah's new into our role here, uh, leading our music team. And that's one of the key expressions that we use in a corporate gathering to express our praise and our worship and our gratitude to God. And um, not only does, is Hannah obviously a great singer and passionate in her whole life about the expression of corporate worship, but she's studying doing her master's degree in theology and ministry to really get her life and her mind and her teaching grounded in the extraordinary unfolding story of God's word and life. And man, when we were working on this and what we were going to share, I was just sitting there going, all right, I'm dropping some of my points uh, that was in my head. Um, and because I want you to hear some of what um, she's been learning and what's also been so part of her life for so long. So Hannah, would you share with us, why do we worship? Why do we do corporate worship from your perspective? Oh, well, um, I don't know if I'm the only one who when you hear the word corporate, I just think of business attire and like a business event. I don't know if I'm the only person. It might be because I'm in the middle of like presentation night like mode at school and so we, we keep getting these emails about having to wear corporate attire and so I just think oh it's the business thing and I think sometimes in my head even when I've heard the word corporate worship thrown around we get it's almost like this oh it's this business like type thing we come in we do it it's a group of people we get out um, but I was looking at and that might just be me and if all of you have got a really deep spiritual sense of what corporate means I'm really glad and I was the only one and so this is just my own little revelation but I was looking at um, what corporate actually means where we get the English word corporate from and it's this Latin word corpus and it means body and that kind of shifts when we think of corporate worship as the body worshipping. That's a really different um, even mindset to come into and to even frame the whole thing when we talk about corporate worship because it means the body. And so for me, why do we 
come together to worship um, God is because we are the body of Christ. When we come together, we are individually filled with the Spirit of God, but we come together and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit in this moment, and we get to offer praise and thanks and adoration to God. So really, we could just leave it there and say, that's why we do it, and and we'll all go on our merry way. But um, that's really when you sum it up. That's what we do. We get to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet coming together in one heart, in one voice, and we get to declare the goodness of who our God is um, to God and for each other. And I think we have this, um, we live in a very individualistic culture. Um, And there are some good things that come out of it and the things that we teach um, our kids. But we live in this idea that everything kind of revolves around us and me as the individual. And what do I get? What do I experience? It's all about me. You hear that my truth thing go around. And we have this like really individualistic way that we live our lives. And I think sometimes it comes into this space. It comes into our gathering where we kind of come in and it's like, cool, what am I going to get? Am I going to like it today? Will I like the songs? Should I complain about the songs? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But will I connect? Will God speak to me? What's God going to do for me? And that's how we come in. And I will say that I do that. Like it's, I think, a part of our natural inclination. We have this me-centered thing. But corporate worship the beauty of it, and this is what I love about it, is that it is not me-focused. Firstly, it's God-focused, but then actually it is all of us together as the body of Christ um, coming together. You know, And I was reading um, Paul addresses a similar type of culture in um, when he's talking to the Corinthians about communion. Because, and I loved what Dan shared a few weeks ago on communion, that it's this unifying space where we come together and worship. Our act of singing praise and worship is the same. But Paul addressed the Corinthians and he's like, hey, some of you are coming in and just stuffing yourself with food and getting drunk while others have nothing. And there's no unity. And he really goes at the heart of why we gather together. It's to gather together for each other. And to glorify God, it is not about what we, as an individual, get out of it. And, you know, he says there is no Greek nor Jew, no slave nor free, nor free, no male nor female, that we are all unified in this place. When we come into the presence of God, we are unified. Um, there's a quote, actually, that A.W. Tozer, and it's going to come up. It's a big quote. There we go. And he says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork, you know, our tuning fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. It's that coming together and we all affix our eyes to Christ that we become unified together. And the beauty of this space is... um, 
but I'll, I'll share a story, if that's all right, um, and I won't name names. But he, uh, we had a few weeks ago a beautiful moment in our praise and worship where we could pray um, for those who've been going through a really tough time because us as the body of Christ, um, there are some really rough things that have happened, deep loss, deep grief um, for people within our church. And so we got to take this moment to pray and stand with each other and someone um, that I know very well who is introverted and does not like to really have to go out of their way to talk to anybody or um, anything like that, um, he noticed somebody else that he knows. Now, this person is, walks in a totally different stage of life. Um, don't, wait, don't hang out during the week. They're not in the same friendship circles. Um, they know each other because of this community, but that's about it, right? But in this moment, this person knew that one over there has gone through incredible grief. And so I'm going to go and stand with them and worship and praise with them because that's what this is about. And they were so moved to do that. Because it's not just us as the individual. It is us carrying each other, carrying the grief, carrying the joy, but standing next to, shoulder to shoulder, next to someone who you will have nothing to do with probably in the week. But standing next to each other and being unified together and declaring the goodness and the hope and the truth of who our God is. And that, that, besides just, we're not just a club that get together and maybe share a common interest. We get to come together and be unified by the Spirit of God to, to declare the goodness and the mercy and the grace that comes from, from God. And I think that's the beauty of this space. And, yeah, that's... When we worship, we're in the process of becoming like the one that we worship. Where you put your adoration, where you put your heart and your attention and your focus shapes who you are and who you become. Um, that's why there's that old statement that says that you become like the people that you hang out with, the, the friends that you live with. It, it, they shape you. They impact you. And it's the same with us when we spend time with God. Jesus invites us to um, be connected, to be joined to Christ. And we do that when we gather together, and we do that when we're alone with God. There's different expressions of that. But that story there captures the heart and the essence of if you want to know if a community is a worshiping community centered around Christ, you look at the fruit of that community. Because there are plenty of communities that worship, but how they worship and how it transforms who they are should then play out in the way that we actually live together with one another. So it's a powerful story of what happens when we gather together and just a beautiful moment to capture. Yeah. So tell us more about why it why? is that we... Why? Well, I've actually got a video. We're going to watch, and again, it's from our favorite, one of our favorite theologians. So... We, uh, Mike mentioned Tom Wright. We're going to watch um, Tom Wright now, and he, he talks about um, the power of music, um, and we'll talk a little bit afterwards about, and, about music. And, and just as a side note, when you listen to this guy, 
imagine he's the guy that reads storybooks to you each night. Because every time I hear Tom Wright speaking, I think, yeah, I want you to read the Chronicles of Narnia to me at night. You'll get it when you see it. This is Tom. I I summed up one of his quotes again, and he says, music and the arts in general have a way of stirring up the imagination in which we perceive the larger world within which God the creator is doing new creation, is redeeming us, rescuing us, and bringing us forward into his purposes. Music and the arts are a way of drawing out fresh meaning of God. And there is a real significance, I think, in that we come together and we don't just speak words, but we do come with song and with music because we know that music, scientifically, um, it does a whole lot of things to the human body. It creates dopamine, so that happy chemical. Um, So it creates um, happiness within us, a sense of happiness. Um, It also can relax, it can motivate, um, it can um, help with rest, um, it can help with relaxation. It creates memory. And so this is one of the really powerful things that evokes memory, creates memory. I was talking to um, Jenny Timmer a couple of weeks ago and she was saying how she loved when we sang How Great Thou Art because it evoked a memory for her of um, her, it was either a father or a grandfather, sorry, Jenny, um, singing that song, a beautiful singer. And so it stirs up these memories of God's faithfulness and goodness. You might have a song that you, when you hear it or when you sing it, it immediately brings to mind that stage of life you were in, maybe what you were going through. Um, And you recount that and you can look back and we can still see God's faithfulness. So music creates memory, but it also creates connection. And it's that thing that when music plays, Without words, it creates connection amongst people. People are automatically drawn to it and feel connected within a space. And so we have, that's the power of music and then the power of word together. Um, I'm an English teacher and this term I've been teaching year nine's poetry. Boy, oh boy, it's a, that is rough. But... <laughs> not very inspiring. But um, I try to be, but... One of the things that um, poets use, they use a lot of different techniques and devices and songwriters do the same thing, Um, but a few of those things are repetition, rhyme, um, repetition, rhyme and rhythm. And they're used because they are so powerful in emphasising and reinforcing a message. And so what we have in song when we come together is we have the poetry that is reinforcing and it uses rhythm, repetition to reinforce the message, plus music that we know it physically transforms our bodies. This becomes a body, mind and spirit experience where it's not just our intellect, it's not just our body doing something. We come connected to each other in our bodies, in our mind and in our spirit. And again, because we are focusing and we come tuned to God, our creator, in unity. And so I think that's the beauty of in song getting to come and worship because we declare the truth of who God is, but in doing so, we are also transformed and we are changed within his presence and we are then encouraged to go back out and to be his hands and feet, reflecting who we've just been worshiping. So good. So there are two passages of scripture. Um, I want you to tell the story, if you can, about 
the song that the band wrote in a moment. Yeah. And then there are two passages of Scripture we're going to put up next to each other. In, in Scripture we have, in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Psalms, we have an incredible catalogue of different poems and songs and expressions of the full human experience of lament and suffering, of individual crying out to God, of the calling together of the community of God together to worship and to celebrate, uh, to confess, to give thanks, and all these different expressions. And then in the book of Revelation, which is the, the last book in the New Testament, we have the vision of St. John on the island of Patmos, almost like seeing through this thin veil an, an image of, the he, of heaven and the, the realm where God is and how things are, the reality of um, how things are meant to be. And I'm wondering if, I'm going to read these, and if you could speak into these two and then share that story example as we head towards wrapping this up. Is that cool with you? Okay, have a look at this. So in Revelation chapter 5, we have here, and then I heard every creature. Now this is, this is uh, John who's got this vision. He's just seeing these incredible things, and this is what he's seeing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Now the word lamb there is not by accident because this is the perfect image of what our God looks like. Our victorious God is actually our God who has been slain, who has suffered and sacrificed for his people. And this is who they worship. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders, which is this kind of symbolism of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, kind of like summing up this this culture, this group, they fell down and they worshipped the Lamb. Now we have this sense of awe and reverence here, and then we have we, we go back to Psalms and have a look at this Psalm where it says here, Psalm 100, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before Him with singing with joy, acknowledging that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Tell us in in the way that you explain it why these two visions here are are so important, and then maybe tell us a bit about that story with the band. Well, I think they kind of speak for themselves, but I think in Revelation, one of the amazing things about what we do with praise and worship is that it's something that has been done for thousands of years and will continue on for thousands of years. Like, this is not something that we do in a moment and then it's not, like, we don't have to do it again for another week. But this is this really amazing, Revelation gives us this sense of all of creation, all, everything on heaven and on earth is praising him and worshipping him, which I just think um, we as humans, we being made in the image of God, we get the privilege of summing up the praises of all creation with word, with song, with art. And I think that's a pretty spectacular thing that we get to do that. And in Psalm, it's just this beautiful um, coming 
into his presence with thanksgiving. This psalm, though, and the thing that, you know, a lot of um, the Old Testament was, a lot of it was written in exile and post-exile, and the people had not, um, they'd gone through a lot of trauma and a lot of horrible experiences. And so the thing with these psalms is that it's not, hey, everything's really good, and just come on in because you're already happy. It's actually, hey, we're in exile, or hey, we're coming back post-exile, but it is bad here. But we're going to enter into the presence of the Lord, and we're still going to bring thanksgiving. Why? Because he is good and his love endures from generation to generation. And I think that's a really important reminder. And I think to finish, and this is my call for the musicians to come up. That's my subtle hint to the musicians. (laughs) Um, Um, we sing and we will sing today um, a song called Always Good and we have sung it as a church over the last few years. Craig Ross um, wrote it and it is such a powerful, beautiful declaration of the goodness of God but um, the story behind it, I know that Craig shared before that it was inspired by words that Donna Lovell's dad um, spoke but when we were writing this song, um, One night, um, a bunch of us came to my house and Craig hadn't quite finished it yet and so we were running different lyrics, melody, that kind of thing. We were in a group in my dining room and our dining room um, opens up to kind of our patio area and then we have a neighbour, like a fence um, there. And so we were singing over and over again this song, you are holy, you're worthy of it all, and then going into our bridge, you, you're always good, let this life um, I travel through be all about you. And we're just continually going over it for like a couple of hours, trying to get it right, because we're just in like, we just want to make sure we've got this right. But also we were this corporate little group of worshippers. A couple of days later, my neighbour was out the front, and my neighbour, who I'd not really met yet, we were fairly new in the house, came over And she's like, oh, hello. She introduced herself and she's like, oh, I heard um, you had people over singing the other night. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I'm sorry if we were too loud. Like, I was like, oh, dear, because we we went on into the night. I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't, I hope that we weren't, you know, causing a distraction. And she's like, no. She said, "Um, I, sorry. Uh, She said, oh, my husband and I have split up. And he's moved out and so I'm in the house by myself and I was on the phone um, to a friend and I was just really at my end, really upset at my end. And I went out to the washing line to hang up some washing. It was like night time, like I was just out there on the phone. I didn't know what I was doing, just kind of walking around. And I heard you guys singing and I kind of stopped and she said, I'd said to my friend on the phone, I've got to go. And she just hung up her phone call. And she sat down at the fence in the dark, sat at her fence and for two hours listened as we continued to sing, You Are Always Good. We were singing that song. It's the gospel there, right? It is the gospel message. And we were singing that over and over again. And she just sat there and wept the whole night as we sang that. And she said, I... She had kind of walked away from God. She'd been involved in church and that kind of thing. She's like, I went back to church on Sunday and I'm planted back in because I needed, it was like God met me right there in that moment. 
But he met her right there because we had been obedient to coming and being drawn to worshipping and praising him. And so in our corporate worship, we were able to minister over this person. And that just, that has never left me, that even outside of these walls, music and song and the the chants that we get, and even in this space, we get to not only declare God's goodness and bring him our praise and adoration, but we get to minister to those who stand next to us who really need someone to do that for them in that space. And so that is the beautiful call, the beautiful thing we get to do. And I hope that today and as we go on, you know, we are, things are changing in this space and it is beautiful. It is really beautiful and it's such an encouragement. And so I would encourage you that when we come together, that we get to join as individuals who are filled with the Spirit of God, but we get to become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We get to minister to the Lord, but we get to minister to each other and stand next to each other and declare the truth that sometimes we can't even say ourselves. And that is the beauty of this.